Thanks so much, Wesley. It is well with my soul. And all the volunteer fans said? <laughs> wow. Man, so I, I can tell a lot of you are feeling a lot better today. Man, you've got a spring in your step. You're all dressed in fall colors. <laughs> Smiles on your faces. Some of you have had, had conversations with your children because they have never seen days like this in their lifetime. <laughs> haven't seen it before. <laughs> oh, speaking of haven't seen it before, um, you, you guys have... You saw this last night. Now, some of you are going to say, hey, I was there, but you weren't. But in 20 years from now, there's going to be like 300,000 people who are at this game. Even though Neyland only holds a little over 100,000, 20 years from now, everyone who was alive in the state of Tennessee <laughs> is going to say, hey, I was, I was, at, I was at that game. That was me. I was the one in orange. Oh, it's fun, man. It is, uh, it is fun, and I know that a lot of you have had a, had a, good, time, had a good time with it, and you're continuing to, uh, continuing to enjoy, so I'm glad, uh, glad you're able to have that one. You've waited a long time. I know as an Auburn fan what that feels like, so it's, uh, it's all good. Apparently, we're just going to have to keep on, keep on waiting. Hey, we're starting something new today. I'm glad you were here to be able to, uh, to be a part. I'm glad that you're able to, to be with us here at East Brainerd, whether you are just passing through, met a family on their way to Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Sean, you know about that place, right? Uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, they're headed back down, and so that's going to be great. Thanks for stopping in. We've got others who are traveling through. And we just appreciate everybody and whatever brought you here today. Hope that you're going to be uplifted by our time by our time together. Hey, when I was growing up, my grandmother was famous for a lot of things. She was about as tall as she was round. Um, she uh, didn't care about speaking her mind. She would let people know exactly what she thought, and she could cook. I mean, she could cook. Now, how many of you had a meemaw like that, right, that could just cook? I mean, and, and she was famous for a lot of things, but she was famous for her chocolate pound cake. And in fact, I think that was one of the reasons why we would make the three-hour drive from Chattanooga to Hansville, Alabama, to be able to go and see her and my grandfather. The chocolate pound cake always had a special place of honor. It would sit there at the end of the counter in one of these plastic clear Tupperware containers. And it was always waiting. And in my mind, it was one of those things that you just look forward to because, because my Nana's pound cake just tasted special. Now, my grandmother was from a generation that never wrote down a complete recipe for anything. Now, how many of you, that's what you mean, right? That's, that's how it works. Never wrote down a complete recipe. Now, there might be something in the back of a cookbook somewhere, but it was always incomplete. Because beyond the, the written measurements and ingredients, there were always some little ofs. You know, a little of this and a little of that. That's what made it distinctively Nana's. Now, my grandmother died just a few months after Tanya and I were married, and so over the last 25 years, there have been members of our family who have done their best to make my grandmother's chocolate pound cake. Now, I don't want to name names, but my mom and aunt have made these cakes. I'm not naming names, but my mom and aunt, they have, um, they have made these cakes in the past, and they call them Granny's Chocolate Pound Cake, but it's not. 
All right, let's just go ahead. I know my mom's watching today and everything, but, but let's just go ahead and just get out there at the very beginning. Just because, I mean, just because you call something the same name doesn't make it the same thing, right? I mean, you get that. I mean, you can call it Granny's Chocolate Pound Cake, but it's not Granny's Chocolate Pound Cake. And so I would try their cake, and, and it would be pretty good. I mean, it would be. It would be a good chocolate pound cake. But there was, and I know this isn't really constructive, I, I understand, but there was just something that would be missing. There was just something that was missing. I don't really know what it is. I, I don't know what it is, but something was just missing. There was a missing ingredient somewhere. Some of those little of this and little of that got, got left out. And I don't know what it was, but something was just missing. And here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that through the years that I hear people who tell me stories. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a preacher and people just feel comfortable coming up to me and, and sharing. It can be here at the, um, you know, at the building somewhere. It can be in the office. It can be at Target. It can, it can happen a lot of places. It's happened in restaurants. People just sit down and just start, you know, sharing. It's really cool when it's on the golf course and I'm introduced as a preacher and all of a sudden the stories that are shared are different. Um, <laughs> But they'll share some, you know, they'll share some stories um, at that time. And, and so I hear these stories, and, and when I listen to them, and I listen to different couples, and when I listen to people talk about their marriages, I hear this phrase, something is missing. Not sure what it is, can't quite put my finger on it, but something's missing. And friends, if something is missing for long enough, then things just start to get bad. So picture this. Picture a bride and groom standing up in front of a, a picturesque fall backdrop for their, for their wedding day. And they look into one another's eyes and they express their vows of devotion. For better, for worse. For richer, for poor. In sickness and in health. And they mean it. I mean, they really do. They mean it from the bottom of their soul. And, and they're looking forward to a happily ever after love story. But then you fast forward a year or two in the marriage, and now you look into her eyes, and they're full of bitterness, and you turn and look into his eyes, and they're full of resentment. They're not sure what went wrong or, or when it went wrong, but they can tell you this much. It's not what they thought it would be. And they both look, and they begin to blame the other person, and they'll just say, you know what? Something is just missing. It's just missing. And they're ready to go and look elsewhere. Or imagine a couple who's been married for 10 plus years and, and they've got some children and they've got a mortgage and they've got bills to pay. Very rarely do they have any time for themselves, any time alone. And, and when they do have this kind, kind of kind, it's kind of forced. And I mean, they really don't often look forward to it. And they would both agree that it really isn't what they signed up for. And they would both say, you know what? Something is just missing. And they don't know what it is, but there's something that's just not there. It's a little of this. It's a little of that. But there's something within the marriage that's just not right. Their lives have just become about their kids, about their jobs, and about getting the bills paid. And at nighttime, you know, they sync their calendars and they make sure that all their bases are covered. But it's not a marriage. I mean, you can call it a marriage. But just because you call something something doesn't make it that thing. It's more like a business partnership. That's more like what it is. And they'll settle for that. They'll just kind of accept it for that. And they'll say, I guess this is what marriage is supposed to be. I guess this is what it's supposed to be. 
And so 20, 30, 40 years later, they're still just kind of going through this same rotation, this same motion, just business partners. But the marriage, eh, that's really not what they've got. And and guys, look, that's not what God wanted. It's not what God wanted when he created marriage. That's not what he had in mind. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to begin a a new lesson series. And it's, it's a series designed to remind couples of God's original plan. We're going to have a chance to kind of see things from God's original view. And look at that original recipe. And see the ingredients that make for a marriage that fulfills what God had in mind when he actually created the institution. So if you have your Bibles... I don't know why I said, if you have your Bibles, I hope you came today with the Bible, right? I mean, even if it's not the paper kind, there's something on your phone. I would love for you to be able to take that out, get it, and tap in Genesis chapter 2. It's right there at the beginning. You can either flip forward a couple of pages, you can hit Genesis chapter 2, and I want you to camp out there for a few minutes. As you're finding that, I, um, I want to say from the outset that I realize here at East Brainerd that we have, we have a lot of men and women who are at different stages of relationship. And there are many in our midst who are single. And whether that's by choice or circumstance, you are not currently in a romantic relationship. And listen, I want you to hear me when I say that there's nothing wrong with that. Right? There's nothing wrong with that at all. Now sometimes there is this idea, and sadly I'm afraid it often gets expressed within church circles, that that if you are unmarried, if you're an unmarried adult, that something must be wrong. Something must be wrong, and you're not complete because you're not a a married family unit. But understand this, men and women do not complete one another, all right? Men and women don't complete one another. Only God can, can, can bring completion to a man. Only God can bring completion to a woman. And so if you are currently unattached, then I ask that you honor God in three ways, all right? So all the single ladies, here we go, all the single guys, you too, Live your life, live a life of purity, right? Live a life of purity. Your body is God's temple. Do not defile it. And live a life of passion. Without a spouse, without children, your, your entire energy can be focused in on Christ and his kingdom. And then why don't you go ahead and live a life of purpose as well? You're not tied down. You don't really have any family responsibilities, so, so make your purpose about expanding those kingdom opportunities. And you make choices that are going to place you in places where God is going to use you to expand and grow his kingdom. Your purity, your passion, your purpose, those are all things that should be laid down on the altar of God. And say, God, this is for you, and I'm giving it all over to you. Now look, while our studies over the next few weeks... They're going to focus on marriage and family. I want to encourage those of you who are single not to attend the bed, couch, or lake church. All right? You know the one, the real comfy one. And then you come back whenever we get on a new topic. Don't ask me out in the lobby, hey, how many weeks are we going to be talking about this? I know what you're asking, all right? Even when you come and say, oh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm sure you are. Comfy church, right? But no, don't, don't, don't stay away because I promise you there's going to be something for you and at least one of the lessons that will be focusing in on you specifically, all right? And so who knows, perhaps God's plan is to use these lessons to prepare you for another stage in, in life, all right? So I want you to hang in there with me. I also recognize that we have couples who are here who have been married for 25, 40, or, or, or 50 years. Uh, hey, let me just see a show of hands. How many of you, you've hit that 25 threshold, all right? Hands up. 
You've been married for 25 years? All right. Some of you are asking, have we? You know, you're looking to get confirmation. Right? All right, good. Good. You got that confirmation. How about uh, 40 years? All right. Hey, this is awesome. Look here. 40 years. That is great. All right. Hey, big one. We got 50s. Anybody? Hey, hey. 50 years. All right. That's right. Wave. I see people are going, hey, give me some credit. <laughs> I stayed in it 50 years. Oh, that is awesome. Hey, we've got 25, 40, 50 years. Um, should I ask about 60? Huh? Look, there it is. That's what I thought. Yep, they're the least. Oh, that is great. Hey, look, we need a favor from you guys that have some experience, that have some experience being able to make it on this journey together. Um, we need for you to mentor and encourage others within our church family. We need for you to um, help mentor. We need for you to be praying for our families. We need you to invest your time in our, our families. And while we're going to be studying on how to strengthen the relationships over the next few weeks, please don't go into autopilot. Don't go into autopilot thinking that the relationship with your spouse, man, it is perfect. You might think that. But ask your spouse what they think. And it might be something different. Don't think that you have no room for biblical advice. In fact, why don't you take Paul's advice in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. If you think you are standing firm, be careful. Be careful so that you don't fall. I like how the message paraphrases this verse. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. A lot of the stories that I hear come from couples who thought it would never happen to them. It would never happen. All right, Genesis chapter 2. You got it? Chapter 2. Now, leading up into this particular area there in Genesis, um, there's been a focus on the creation account. And it's written in a poetic form, and, and you've seen that if you've read through Genesis chapter 1, where it talks about, you know, how that, how that God created, and it was good. He created light, and then God created the land and the sea, and he said it's good. And, and then he creates birds and the air and the fish of the sea, and God said it's good. And there's just this back and forth. God created, and God sees it, and it is good. It's over and over. This is beautiful poetic refrain. And then you get to verse 18 of chapter 2. The seventh day of rest has already taken place. God steps back and he kind of looks over all of his creation. And so verse 18 really jumps out because all of a sudden the poetic refrain, it, it changes a little bit. And he begins by saying, it is not good. It's not good. He sees the man living by himself in paradise, but he says it's not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. And the Lord God said, I will make a helper suitable for him. And the union of man and woman came out of this, where God looks at man alone and says, something just isn't right. There's something that's missing. Thankfully, God could, could put his finger on it. God knew exactly what was missing. God knew what was not present. And so the creative spirit of God then creates. And I want you to see this from the beginning, that God is the architect. And God is the designer. And he owns the copyright. And he is the author of what we know and what we call marriage. And he understands how it works best. And I think we need to be able to see this as a foundation as we continue in this study about marriage in the coming weeks. Because the tendency for us is to look and to listen for other voices. We look and listen for other voices other than God. And so we listen to what our friends say or, or we listen to what someone has on TikTok. And instead of going to our creator for advice, 
Instead of going to our creator and saying, what's missing, God? What is it that I I don't see, but you see? What is it? We go in all kinds of different directions. So I think that's the first missing ingredient. The first missing ingredient I'm just going to call spiritual awareness. Spiritual awareness. Where you understand that when you get married and a husband and wife come together, there is a spiritual union that takes place. Now, now if you get married and you don't have that spiritual awareness, if you're married and you don't have that spiritual awareness, then you're missing out on the whole point of it in the beginning. You're not understanding why it was originally created, how God designed it. So there is this need within our relationships for this idea of spiritual awareness. Where God looks at Adam and says, you know what, it's just not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. And the word alone there literally means something's missing. I love it. Something's missing. God said it's not good for something to be missing in his life. It's not right. And so God says it's not good. So in the context of this situation, in the context of this situation, the creator then begins to form the missing ingredient for the man. And can you picture, can you picture all of heaven looking down in great anticipation to see what the master designer is going to design? What is it that he's going to form? What will his eternal imagination dream up as an answer to the dilemma? What is it? What is going to make something that is not good, good? Will it be a new animal? So far they haven't sufficed? Will it be another man because... Maybe someone that's like Adam in every way. Maybe that's what's needed. And so heaven is awake with excitement as Adam falls asleep. And the creator unveils his latest masterpiece. He creates something new and distinct. He creates woman. The text says that she is a helper. The word that helper is also translated a compliment too. And the author of Genesis uses this story. He uses this story, the creation of woman as a compliment, as a helper for the man, to explain the concept of marriage. So he says in verse 24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and then is united to his wife. He's saying this is why you have mommies and daddies. This is why one day you will choose to leave mommy and daddy. It's because God created man and woman for each other. To compliment one another. To help one another. To make something that was not good, good. And so when people ask, why marriage? Or what's the point of marriage in the first place? Or who is marriage for? Well, see, you and I, we can point to that Genesis story there in chapter 2. And we can say marriage is the physical expression of God's spiritual design. It's the way that God expresses his intent. A man leaves his father and mother, unites with a woman who was specifically created by God to complement every aspect of his life. In that union of man and woman, it was God's plan. It was one woman and one man for one lifetime. That was God's original love story. And and you know, I, I think for a lot of you, for a lot of you guys, for a lot of you husbands, I mean, you would say that God had a good idea, right? I mean, husbands, how many of you would say, let's just see a show of hands, how many of you would say that your wife is a great compliment to you? Go ahead. Come on, guys. This is your opportunity right here. Help me help you, all right? Help me help you. How many of you would say that your wife is a great compliment to you? Let's see it. 
Some of you ladies, yeah, I, know, I see you, I see you. You're getting a hand up for it, and that's good. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, and that's what she was doing. She was helping, by the way, when she was raising, you know, she was helping. That was the intention when God created marriage. That there would be this compliment for one another. And yet so many couples, they live without this spiritual awareness, how God is the author of the story. How, how God is the author and how God brings together man and woman and how that it's not just a relationship of two, but it's a relationship actually of three. And so here's what happens. People don't recognize, they don't have the spiritual awareness. And so as they get into the marriage, they'll start identifying different problems. And maybe it's a communications problem. You say, we just can't communicate, right? He just doesn't understand me. She's just not listening. Or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe it's a, a stress that comes from finances problem. There's just not enough money to make ends meet, and there's too many demands, and inflation is going up, and we don't know what we're going to do. Or maybe it's just an in-laws problem. I mean, man, Chris, if you could just hear about this family that I married into, right? I guess the Lord sent me there, like Moses. I don't know. When Moses went to the wilderness. Or maybe it's a sexual incompatibility and we're just not attractive things don't work right I just don't know what's going on we come up with all these different issues and individuals do when they don't have when they don't have this spiritual awareness and they'll say you know what we just need to work on these things and so they see some cracks that are there in the wall and they'll say let's just get these patched up let's get them taken care of and so what many couples do, well, they'll go and they'll see a counselor. And if you've done this, thank you, fantastic. I, I encourage you to continue to speak to someone. Or maybe you've gone out and, and you've gotten a book or you've gotten multiple books and you've read these and I appreciate you doing that. And just keep on. Be that lifelong learner in your marriage. Or maybe you've Googled, what do we need to do in our marriage? Don't do that. Okay? Counselors are good. Books, great. Do not Google, what do I need to do to help my marriage? Oh, wow. But we're trying to fix those cracks in the wall. We want to be better communicators. We want to be more compatible. We want to bring passion back into the marriage. And it's all fine and good. I mean, it's all fine and good, but more often than not, these cracks in the wall are actually symptoms of a larger problem. And the problem is, well, they're not listening to the author of their story. God is not the one who's directing the relationship. You know, years ago, HGTV had a show called Homes on Homes. Homes on Homes. I mean, that looks like a guy that worked on a house, right? Looks like a guy that could take care of business. Uh, that, that Homes, he would go into people's houses where the home, homeowners had had difficulty because maybe they got swindled by a contractor who didn't do the job right, and so everything's a mess, and the, the homeowners need something done, and so they, they call up this guy, Holmes, and, and he comes to their home, and he's going to make it right. Right? That's his whole thing. Let's make it right. Let's fix the problem. And inevitably, when he would come into the home, he would give them some bad news. And he would go into the home, and he would say, look, you think it's bad, it's actually worse than you think. All right? That's normally how it would go. You look at all these cracks in the wall, he would say, and I understand what you want me to do is fix these cracks in the wall, and you want me to, to be able to patch these cracks, and you want me to be able to paint over these stains right here so that you can't even see them. So after a time, you think that they're gone. But the problem is those cracks are just going to come back. Because the problem is not the crack in the wall. The problem is with your foundation. 
And unless the foundation is fixed, the cracks in the wall where they're just going to keep coming back. And friends, I think it's a picture of what happens oftentimes with our marriages. Husbands and wives will not identify the issue as spiritual in nature, and so we all go after the cracks that are in the wall. And we get frustrated. We get frustrated because we're working and we're painting and we're patching, and it just keeps coming back up, and we're still fighting about the same things. We've still got the same issues all these years later. And that's the problem with the crack in the wall problem. It's not actually the problem. The problem is with the foundation. You see, marriage is a spiritual union. It must be treated as such. Because just because you call something a marriage doesn't make it one. So why not make it right? I mean, why not make it right? Um, do this for me. Uh, you see it all over. See it all over now, right? You know, make your, make your little heart. You know, this is it right here. Go ahead. Go ahead and make it. Some of you are like, I am not doing that. Yes, you are. You're going to do it. We're going to shame you into it. That's right. Shame is good at church. Here we go. You got your heart. This is what we look at our spouse, and we like look at them, and we're like, oh, you know, I love you. Um, if you've got to give a little symbol, if you've got to take a picture of something, if you've got to put something, you know, on TikTok, if you're going to take a selfie, it's like, oh, I love you. It's great. All right. Uh, instead of doing the heart, I want you to do this. I want you to make a, um, make a triangle. Okay, make a triangle. Either, either way you want to do it. All hands, like this. You see, this triangle should be a representation of your marriage. At the very bottom there of the triangle, those two points there at the bottom, there's you and your spouse. At the very top, there's God. And as you and your spouse grow closer to the top, I want you to notice what happens to the distance that's in between you. You can't help but grow closer to each other. Because it's a spiritual union. It's a spiritual union. Now, now what happens if one's growing closer to God and the other isn't? Well, understand that that distance is still going to be there, right? It's only when you have the husband, you have the wife, you say, you know what, I'm committed in my own individual relationship to working and being closer to the Lord, to understanding what he needs to do within me, the, the chiseled edges that he needs to chip away, how he needs to tell me, look, there's barriers that you need to put up, that you need to get over. There are things, there are walls that you have that you need to tear down. There's foundations that you need to repair. And until the man and the woman both recognize that there is a spiritual side to the relationship that will continue to be that distance. So why not make it right? Instead of just giving your spouse your heart, why don't you just give your life to God and let him have your marriage? Now look, you can have a happy marriage without God. I just want to be real with you. You can have a happy marriage without God, and you can make it to 50 years without God at the center of your home. A lot of people have done that. And you can have a happy family without God as the foundation. But hear me, you will never, you will never enjoy the marriage as God intended it for it to be. It will never be what it was meant to be, because there will always be something missing. Always. Without God, something will always be missing from your marriage. And you say, wait a minute, Chris. Um, I, I know a lot of church people. I know a lot of church people who struggled in their marriage. You know, people that go to church together, they still have struggles, and they, and they have these uh, problems. Um, I'm not saying that you just need to come to church together. 
Hear me. I'm not saying you just need to come to church together. I'm saying that you individually need to make sure that you're growing in your relationship with the Lord. And that could include, of course, coming and being part of the spiritual community, but it, it goes much deeper than, than that. You see, perhaps the missing ingredient within your marriage is spiritual awareness. It's spiritual awareness. Maybe you've never heard that God is the one who writes your story. Or maybe you have neglected to read and put into practice his instructions. You thought once you got married and if you just came to church enough that everything would work out fine. You didn't have to communicate the way that God asked you to communicate. You don't have to forgive the way that God asked you to forgive. You certainly don't have to submit the way that God asked for you to submit and forget about sacrifice. You don't have to sacrifice. Maybe you've neglected those things. Well, if you have, I want you to know it's not too late. It's not too late because tomorrow's page is still blank. And guys, I would love to hear your story. Maybe you wouldn't mind sharing it with me or, or one, of our, one of our elders this week. Maybe you wouldn't mind us coming by the office or saying, hey, can we meet somewhere and have a conversation? Or, hey, can you come over to the house? really want to talk to you about where we are in our relationship. Or, or how about this? How about you write yourself a little message? If you've got a phone and it's got a notes app on it, I would encourage you to do this. Go ahead and open it up and, and just title it, Dear Married Me. Dear Married Me. And go ahead and make yourself a note, or you can write it there down somewhere on your bulletin. Dear Married Me, don't forget to be spiritually aware. Don't forget that your marriage was God's idea, and you need to recognize him as the creator and the sustainer and the fulfiller of your relationship. Friends, I want us to start enjoying marriage the way that it was meant to be. I want you to enjoy that. You, your spouse, and God. Why not make it right? Father, whenever we talk about this subject, it's always difficult because there are always marriages, there are always relationships within the room that are just struggling. Something's missing. And we've got husbands and wives that just can't put their finger on it. But they know that it's not what it should be. They know it's not what it used to be. And it's, and Father, it's starting to create more and more problems. And I know that whenever we talk about this, we've got men and women who have, who have tried. They, they've, they've read and they've gone to counseling and, and they're, they're trying to fix the different cracks. But for a lot of them, Father, they just haven't recognized the spiritual nature of the relationship. They haven't realized that it's not just the two of them, but that you are a part of that union as well. And so as we just kick things off this week, Father, I just would pray for everyone, whether, whether it's an individual who is single and just in, enjoying being, being single right now, or the individuals who've been married for a long time, or, or those who are engaged, those who are just in the middle, whatever stage of relationship people are in right now. I just hope that we can kick things off this week, Lord, with the understanding that every single relationship should be spiritual in nature. And that we need to be aware of you and the way that you've created us, the design that you have given to us, and the way that you wish for us to live with one another. Let's do that, Father. Let's start there. 
Help us to begin to make things right. We're not going to be able to fix everything today. We're, we're not going to be able to fix everything just within the context of these lessons that we're going to have. But Father, may we begin today to ask for your help. May we begin today to begin look, seeking to grow closer to you. To go up that triangle. May we begin today to work on our foundation. Give us the courage to do so. Give us the strength to continue. And Father, allow what's missing. Allow that missing piece to be evident to us. And Father, allow us to enjoy marriage as you intended it to be. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray this morning. Amen. Church, we're going to sing together to encourage one another. And as we do, I want to let you know that you always have the option whenever we are singing together here as we close out lessons to come before this church body to, to make any kind of prayer request that you would like. You have the opportunity to come before this church body to, to declare your faith in Jesus Christ and to let us know you'd like to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins and we'll, we will celebrate that with you. We also want you to know that uh, we also have one of our elders who will be in our lobby. There's a prayer room that's there. And if you'd just like to have some private time, whether it be by yourself, whether it be with your spouse, your family, just to go and be able to have some one-on-one -on -one conversation and prayer, that opportunity is open for you. But as I just prayed, we understand that the changes are not just made like this. And it's something that God continues to work on. So please know that we are always ready and available to hear your story and to hear what's going on within your life. And if you'd like to take advantage of that this week, we welcome you to do so. So may this song that we sing together encourage you as you think about your relationship, specifically the relationship that you have with the Creator God. Let's stand and give Him praise.